Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. Good morning, saints. Did anybody get just a little uncomfortable? Good morning, saints. Did anybody feel maybe a little like the disciple of Jesus, you know, Peter, at the Last Supper when Jesus gets the towel and the basin and and the water and he starts to wash their feet and Peter says, no, 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 Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Like Peter inherently knows that he feels he's not worthy, and yet Jesus says, oh, but but that's what I've come to do. And then Peter says, oh, well, then then if that's the case, then then just wash. Jesus says, it's going to be because of what I do for you that that you are worthy of me washing your feet. It's almost as if... Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, I know that you're going to deny me. I know that you're going to be afraid. I know you're going to stand around that fire and you're not going to be able to stand up for me in the moment of a trial. And he bows down with a towel and water and says, good evening, St. Peter. He knows. He says, I'm going to wash your feet, St. Peter. What are saints anyway? I mean, when we say saint, we think of, well, we think of St. Peter, we think of, or we might think of Mother Teresa, or maybe some of you know some stories like Oscar Romero, Archbishop Oscar Romero, who was martyred. We might think of martyrs or, or many others around the world and in church history. We think of saints, and certainly we in Protestant traditions, we, we don't do quite as well in remembering and honoring saints, but it's also those who have passed, but it's also us. Saints are sinners who are forgiven. Saints are those who allow the light of God to shine through the broken places. Saints are those ordinary people who allow the extraordinary loving light of God to shine in upon us and through us and make a difference in what's right around us. My wife Cynthia is in Kansas City keeping grandchildren this morning, so I suppose I can put in a word for her. I looked at her yesterday and I was thinking about all the ways that she's caring for them while our, while our daughter and son-in-law are on a brief vacation and I was thinking about the ways that she interacts with them. I was thinking about the ways she was apart with the family surrounding my dad and the way that she so tenderly cared. I think about the way that, that her heart is for her mom and for her family and how she's torn in directions. I think about the simple ways in which she, she has cared for people in this community and her connection with, with some of our, our dear saints of God and the way that she cares. And I was leaving yesterday evening from her and the grandchildren to come to get ready for today. And I looked at her and my, my eyes just welled up with tears like they are now. And I looked at her and I said, you're a saint. She backed off like you probably did when I said it this morning. I said, oh no, no, where the light falls and where the light shines through in those simple everyday ways. Is a saint better than anybody else? Not at all. Not at all. A saint is available. A saint is forgiven. A saint is one who avails themselves to Christ. But in our scripture readings this morning, we both have the challenge and the equipping for 
sainthood. Oh, the challenge is big. Did you hear that gospel reading? I mean, did you hear that gospel reading? First off, it starts out with all the things that are upside down. Blessed are the poor. Jesus is announcing that his kingdom, like the world in which he inhabits, the the world that he's announcing, inhabiting, bringing to pass in his walking on the earth, that is one where the poor have home, (laughs) where they're blessed, where they're particularly equipped. Oh, it's not, poverty is not glorified here, but blessed are the poor. And blessed are the hungry now, for they'll be filled. He sounds a bit like his mom. You remember Mary in Mary's song? She said, oh, my soul magnifies the Lord. And she says, the hungry will be in this one that she carries when she was pregnant with the Messiah. She says, this one, oh, the hungry are going to be fed. The rulers will be brought down. The hungry will be fed. The rich will go away empty. Like a reversal of values, a reversal of the world. Jesus sounds a bit like his mom. Or maybe his mom sounds a bit like Jesus. I think the answer to that is yes. Jesus goes on, blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you and defame you on account of the Son of Man. He says, rejoice. Man, this way of sainthood is hard. What? And he's not done yet. Now the people that we value, you know, the rich and the famous, he says, oh, but woe to you that are rich. thought they were the ones who got God's blessings. (laughs) Woe to you that are full now, you'll be hungry. Woe to you that are laughing now. Like a reversal. And then, and then he goes on. Like if it wasn't hard enough already. Love your enemies. Like a hallmark, signature sign, seal of the work of the Holy Spirit and the life of a forgiven sinner who is a saint. Love, love your enemies. No, we take up pitchforks and knives against our enemies. Are you kidding me? No, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. You people talk bad about you and you pray blessings upon them. How on earth will we ever live this way? Oh, by the way, that's not the way the world, and most of the time, it doesn't seem the way that we articulate from our pulpits in our churches and in our Bible studies. It's not the way we articulate the way of Jesus very well. We are addicted to violence and revenge and retribution and vitriol and who's in and who's out. And Jesus says, love your enemies. We, 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 get, we seem to enjoy the role of being able to say, these, these are bad and these are out and we are good and we are in. And Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. We make up ways so that we can have celebrations and rallies where we can, we can celebrate who's in and who's out. Sometimes they're called church services. <laughs> oh, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. Give to everyone who begs from you. And we make up all kinds of excuses about what kind of life somebody's living because they're begging. I'm not talking about indiscriminate foolishness, but I am talking about non-judgmental compassion. And then do to others as you would have them do to you. And that's in the context of love your enemies. (laughs) So good morning, saints. Jesus announces the way of the kingdom is not easy. But thanks be to God, the way is not just announced. And he says, okay, good luck with that. 
No, there's the power of the inheritance, inheritance that we have in Christ. The epistle reading this morning from Ephesians, we, we have a hope to live for the praise of his glory. By the way, living for the praise of his glory is going to be living a lot like we just read from the Gospels. <laughs> but we're not left without tools. We're not left without being equipped. We're not left without a hope. So we're given an inheritance, an inheritance, and it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we're to live for the praise of his glory. And in Ephesians 1, those, that reading in 11 through 23, it talks about hope and power and inheritance and inheritance among the saints. It talks about the gift that God's going to give by the, by the Holy Spirit that's going to equip us to live more like Jesus than more like our natural human wiring that wants to be mad all the time or offended all the time. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, Paul writes to the church, the church at Ephesus, the church that Paul's writing to likely while he's in prison and Paul's still writing about hope and faith and, and the inheritance and living to the praise of his glory. But the church at Ephesus is the church, the church around the world, the church anywhere, the church everywhere and the church at 410 South Hickory, the church at Ottawa. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love toward all the saints. For this reason, I do not get, cease to give thanks for you. And he's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, so that we may, may know and that we may know the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? It's early. Ephesians is written somewhere 54 to 64 AD, somewhere in there, I guess. It's early. Jesus has only been, been crucified, resurrected, ascended to the Father for 20 to 30 years. The early Christian movement is moving. He's already talking about saints, where the light shines through. Your glorious inheritance, the immeasurable greatness of his power. It's going to take the power of God, the power that, as Paul writes about, the power God used to raise Jesus from the dead to transform our broken, stubborn, angry, burdened, selfish hearts to be love your neighbor as yourself and love your enemy hearts. But we have that inheritance. We have that promise. That's what Paul is praying. That's what we lean into. We lean into an inheritance among the saints that's the immeasurable greatness of the power of God for those who believe. The immeasurable greatness of the power of God are those who believe to, according to the working of his great power when he raised Jesus from the dead. You want to say, how do I have the power to live different? How do I have the power to live different? Paul is writing about the power God used to raise Jesus from the dead, where the stone is rolled away and death is overcome and life conquers death in the grave and Jesus is raised and that power is available to us in all of our struggles and our ability to overcome our stinking thinking and our broken hearts. That power is available to us. Now, a note on power. Power in the Bible even the power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is power in the midst of suffering, power in and through the cross, and it's never power over by domination or violence. It is not strong-armed power. It's not, it's not muscular power. It is co-suffering love power. It's power that comes through the cross. 
And we seem to have a world, even in the church, where we think that the power of Jesus is the power that gives us the right to stomp on everyone and tell everybody else how wrong they are. No, it's the power that allows us to love everyone and love even our enemies. It's cruciform power. Cruciform is just a word that means like the cross upon which Jesus died. You know, cruciform power. That's, that's the power that overcomes the grave and overcomes the, the darkness that's within us and around us. It's the power that gives us the power to love when, when we or others are unlovable. So we have to be encouraged and cautious when we lean into the power about which Paul writes and that it's available to us in Christ because Christ was raised from the dead. Oh, it is the power for those who believe. It is the power to overcome. It's the power to transform. It's the power to walk differently. It's the power to think differently. And it's certainly the power to love differently. But it is not the power to shame, exclude, or deride others. In fact, it's the power to learn to see differently. You hear me say this all the time. It's the power to learn to see every human being as created in the image of God. It's the power to have our vision sharpened and to be broken instead of judgy when we see broken people, even if that broken one is us. So there's that word of encouragement, that word of power. And when I think of this, and, and a long time ago, I was preaching on this passage, and, and I thought of my little childhood dog, Lulu. I love telling this story. I'll probably tell it 10 times while I'm here. <laughs> my little childhood dog, Lulu. I was a teenager and let Lulu out. Lulu was a toy poodle. I mean, six pounds soaking wet toy poodle. Lulu goes outside where dogs go when they need to do what dogs do. And I'm letting her out and I'm standing on the porch and the neighbor's dog, Snowball, who weighed about 100 pounds, comes into the front yard and Lulu begins to bark like she owns a place. That was her yard. Now keep in mind, there is more than a 10 to 1 ratio. She's outweighed by more than 10 to 1 by Snowball, but she is barking like she is queen of the yard. But here's what Lulu did. She would bark and she would turn, I kid you not, <laughs> she would bark and turn back and look to see if I was on the porch. And then she'd turn and bark at Snowball and then she looked at me and then she'd bark and then she'd look at me. It's almost like she's like, I can bark as long as I know I got back up. I think in some ways, that's what Paul's writing about. We, we have the inheritance for those who believe. We, we, can, we can stand, we can be bold, we can walk, we can forgive, we can love, we can love even our enemies, we can overcome, we can go through difficult circumstances, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can do all kinds of things, but make sure every now and again that you look back and you make sure that the one who has overcome the grave standing on the porch and is watching out over you, and then we can do that. Make sure that the one who's overcome the grave's got our back. 
Oh, and if we're sanctioning violence, he's going to turn his head. And weep. So good morning, saints. Good morning, saints. Oh, how I pray that all of us together will humbly seek out the way of the crucified Christ. Part of that power for us who believe, part of that inheritance is that we are a table people. When God wants to bring people together, he uses a table. Jesus used a table. But before the Last Supper, he used a table. (laughs) He used a table to eat with tax collectors and sinners and religious leaders and all kinds of people. Jesus used a table to bring people together. To let people know that those who think they didn't belong, belonged. To those who thought they were on the outside, that they were, they were on the inside of the embrace of his love, he used a table. And this morning, there's a table. There's a table. So in a moment, you're just going to come forward and, and receive the bread and the cup and take it back to your seat and receive it together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he looked at his disciples and he took the bread and he and he broke it. He said, This is my body. Broken for you. Broken for our brokenness, broken for the sins of the world, creating sacred space for the light of his love to shine. Jesus is always, 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 as you come to the table today, know he's always working in and through brokenness and broken things and broken people. He specializes in it. And then he turned to his disciples, and they were at the Passover meal. They were expecting certain things, but they weren't expecting to turn to them with a cup and say, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Preparing them to see the cross as the revealing of the co-suffering, limitlessly forgiving love of God revealed. This cup is the blood of Jesus shed for us. So as we prepare to receive, let us pray. Eternal and loving God, on this day of all saints, may we be reminded that we are receiving communion, the bread and the cup in the company of the angels and the archangels and all those who have gone before, that we are in great company today. That we're in... (laughs) Take off our shoes, we're on holy ground company, that we are accompanied by more than we know.
So God, may your Holy Spirit touch these elements of communion, that they be bread and drink for our souls, that they be the body and blood of Christ. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www.fbcottawa.org.